Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. G'day, g'day, Reed Goosens here, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate. I hope you're having a great day. Thanks for dropping by and tuning in and continuing to grow your investing knowledge of U.S. real estate. Each week, we come to you live from Los Angeles, California, talking about all things related to U.S. real estate investing and how you too can successfully break into the U.S. market as an international investor, just like I did. Each episode, we'll be interviewing industry leaders, real estate entrepreneurs, and good old-fashioned go-getters who can help provide you the tools to start successfully investing in the U.S. So let's get into today's show. On today's show, we have a very inspirational entrepreneur, investor, author, and just an all-round go-getter who is killing it in life. My guest in the hot seat today is Gina Lofton. G'day, Gina, and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Reed. Glad to be here. Gina is the founder of Passive Income Advisors, also known as PIA. PIA focuses on syndicating real estate investment opportunities across the United States and internationally. Her company has completed over $100 million worth of real estate transactions and collectively owns over 2,000 units across four states in the U.S. Her company now is focused on building the largest resort in Belize in Central America. And to cap it all off, Gina just published a book called Escape the Badness, The 10 Steps to Get Out of the Rat Race, which is based on a similar principles to Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Develop enough passive income that exceeds your expenses to gain financial freedom. Gina is also an active board member of the Los Angeles City College Foundation. Well, Gina, that is truly an incredible list of achievements. You've clearly been killing it for a long time now. I'm kind of speechless. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. I mean, it's been a long time. It's a lot of hard work, but uh, it's all paid off. I mean, it's it's all about doing good and building your business and helping other people achieve what they want. Fantastic. And uh, Gina... With all those incredible list of achievements and successes, I actually just want to take a quick step back before we dive into the juicy stuff. And can you tell the listeners something that most people might not know about you unrelated to real estate investing? Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I kind of started off, I grew up in uh, the foster care system in South Central Los Angeles, homeless. My parents couldn't take care of any of the kids. I was like two years old and you know, grew up in a very, very hard, difficult life. And that's something you probably wouldn't know just by looking mm-hmm. at me or reading my book or under, kind of hearing my bio. But, you know, that's my life incredible. is a little bit more difficult. That's incredible. Well, actually, that leads into my second question is that I know that your success was clearly built on the back of a lot of hard work and dedication. And it, your success hasn't come overnight, I, I, I assume. So with that being said, can you actually walk the listeners through uh, more of an in-depth look at your background and what motivated you to go down the path to becoming a successful real estate entrepreneur? Absolutely. So, you know, like everyone else, I went to school, I got good grades, I got a job and worked in corporate America and had a very successful career working with, you know, the likes of Ernst & Young, Jet Proportion Laboratory, Warner Brothers, AT&T, and DirecTV. And I said, well, you know, maybe about 10 years ago, I read that little purple book by 
Robert Kiyosaki called Rich Dad Poor Dad. And at that time, I probably had, you know, one income property generating a couple hundred bucks a month. And I was working at one of the, you know, big four accounting firms, although they were the big six back then, and living in an amazing house on the hill. And it was beautiful. And one of the very, very profound statements in the book was your house is not an asset. And I said, wow, what does that mean? Well, I kind of figured it out. It wasn't generating any income. Had I kind of lost my job at Ernst & Young, I would eventually deplete my savings. And because of my upbringing being homeless when I was a child, it was a very scary value proposition for me. So I said, I got to figure this out. And I just started becoming a lot more financially intelligent. And that's where the journey began and really just started reading everything I could get my arms around about, you know, financial literacy. But it all started with that little purple book. That's incredible. That's really, truly, truly incredible story. I love hearing that type of stuff. The listeners have probably guessed that today's topic of the show is all about creating passive income and really planting the seed of understanding how to break out of your day job and achieve financial freedom. So Gina, I wanted to just start out by saying before the show, you know, the book also that changed my life was Rich Dad Poor Dad. It gave me that aha moment. And I know I mentioned the book a lot on this show and those basic principles that if you develop enough passive income, more than in your expenses, you can quit your day job, escape the rat race. But I still remember that moment like yourself. I just finished university. I'd, I'd been backpacking across the world for a couple of years. I got back to Australia. I was sitting in my day job and I said to myself, this can't be what I'm doing for the next 45 years of my life, working for the man and constantly looking towards the weekend. And it was only like 10 a.m. on a Monday morning. So, <laughs> so I said to myself that I needed to go out and make a change and you know, actively you know, educate myself. And at the time, I didn't realize real estate investing was that change. Uh, so I did, but I just knew I had to start educating myself uh, on long-term wealth. So I'd like you to walk the listeners through the background of your book, Escape the Madness, and, and maybe the 10 steps uh, of, of breaking out of the rat race, sort of what you alluded to before, your, your, your home or your pri primary residence isn't an asset. And if you did lose your day job, how would you pay for that mortgage? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I just really kind of started to start from the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. And that was understanding why was I trying to create this financial security for myself? You know, because I think you really need to know what your why is. I mean, it isn't just to make money. It's got to be something bigger than that. Right. And mine was just really to make sure that I was financially secure. I, my, mine was, I didn't want to, that fear motivated me to become financially free right? I had a fear of being homeless. So at that time, that was my why. Mm -hmm. And what I realized is that I had this house, it wasn't an asset. And I was willing to make the sacrifice to, you know, sell that house, actually buy a duplex, move into it, take a lot of those proceeds from the house and turn it into income generating properties. And that's kind of how I started. I really just did an assessment and it all started like the game cash flow, where mm -hmm. I looked at my financial statement and I said, oh my goodness, I don't really have any assets. I have, I have what, what other people think are assets, but they're not generating cash flow. So the book is about these 10 steps, finding out your why, 
understanding exactly where you are financially, understanding what your personal investment philosophy is. And ironically, I don't talk a lot about real estate in my book, although I am a real estate investor, but there are many ways in which to generate passive income. Mm -hmm. You know, now I have business income, I have royalty income, I have dividend income, and I have real estate income. So there are, you know, not everyone is suited for real estate, and that's fine. But the key is, is to find out what is your personal investment philosophy? What do you naturally have a tendency to do, even if you don't work, right, Mm -hmm. or you don't get paid for it? And then go figure out how you can build a passive income stream with that passion of yours, whatever right. that might be. Right, right, right. That's incredible. I, I do hear you when you say that, you know, when I first started out understanding financial freedom and creating, you know, long-term wealth, I, as I said, I didn't know it was going to, I chose real estate investing. I could have chose stocks or I could have chose investing in businesses. There's a whole bunch of options out there for people to, to create that passive income. So with that, what are the sort of 10 steps that just break it down really quickly overview of what you start out doing to then leading towards getting out of the rat race? Because, you know, listeners must not know that it doesn't happen overnight and it takes many, many years of meticulously looking towards your goals and understanding where you are in your financial you know, status right now and then looking towards where you need to be to, create, to leave your day job. Yep. And you said it right there. I mean, it's almost verbatim to the chapters and the steps that are in my book and they are very sequential. So, you know, obviously I said, understanding what your why is and then determining where you are right now, financially, spiritually, Mm -hmm. what type of knowledge do you have? Where do you want to go? And then mapping out that kind of current state of here's where I am. And then the future state or where do I want to go? And then developing kind of a roadmap to get there, which I label your goals, your mm-hmm. vision board. Right. And then investigate opportunities that fit your investment objectives mm-hmm. and, you know, overcoming your fears, then beginning to get financially intelligent. Like there's a lot of different terminology if those investors that are coming into the United States not may not be familiar with cap rates and Mm -hmm. GRM and NOI and these types of terms that we use here in the United States for commercial real estate investing. So that's one of the steps is a complete chapter on all of these different terminologies. And then identifying who your friends are, because those friends that you grew up with may not be the same friends that are going to take you to the next level. So you are like the five closest friends people that you hang around. So if your five closest friends aren't doing what you really want to do, chances are you're not going to be friends for a lot longer. So you need to really assess who you surround yourself with. And then the you know next step, which is step nine, I'm sorry I didn't give all the numbers, but <laughs> it's building out your team because real estate and business is a team sport. There is no I in team. And for me to have grown from zero to 2000 units. It is not because of me. I am definitely not the smartest person in the room. And I pride myself on having a a, a tremendous amount of people around me that are smart. So there's a chapter on building your team and who should be your team members, depending upon the type of business that you're doing. And then it's the last chapter is rinse and repeat, right? 
Um, always buy assets and let those assets buy your liabilities. If people could stick to buying the assets first and having those finance the liabilities, then they would get ahead much faster. And that was something I made a mistake on early in my career is I bought the big house on the hill and it was a liability. I had no assets. Mm-hmm. And I reversed engineered the whole thing and I sold the liability and used the proceeds of that liability to buy assets, which were real estate buildings. And then those assets now pay for my liabilities, which is my new house on the hill. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, as this show is a little bit more focused towards real estate investing, uh, I did mention in, in the beginning, in the introduction, that your business helps people achieve financial freedom by aiding them cr- to create passive income. So do you want to walk the listeners through what your business does and how you create passive income for other people? Yeah, that's a good question. So what I do is I allow investors to participate in my investments jointly with me. So Mm -hmm. if there is a real estate opportunity that I feel meets my personal and financial objectives, and I'm looking to, you know, raise capital, it's called real estate syndication or raising private capital, I will raise that capital, I will offer my investors a preferred rate of return and upside for anything above the preferred. And obviously it's an equity participation. And in exchange for their equity, they are receiving passive income. So many people don't either know how to do what I do or don't want to spend time doing it, Mm -hmm. but they want their money to work harder than what they're getting in the bank, right? In the bank, you're getting less than 1% if that globally. So that's what I do to help my investors is If I have opportunities, and obviously I'm always an investor in my own deals, and my investors also invest with me, and then they receive distributions um, on a quarterly basis. Fantastic. And I I specialize in something called value-added real estate, Reed, and I think it's important for your your listeners to understand. I really want to achieve infinite returns. The way that I could get infinite returns is if I buy something, I add value to it or build it by developing it. And then I do what's called a cash out refinance. Mm -hmm. After I I reach my financial objectives, then I get all of my investors and my money out, but we keep the property for cash flow. And that way your returns are infinite. Wow. It's, and then for those investors out listening out there, you know, syndication is a buzzword or, you know, maybe it's a little bit, maybe it can be a little bit confusing of what syndication is. Really just, it's pooling people's money. It's, you, Gina looks to, for people who want to rent their money, but don't have the time or the energy to go out and find cracking investment opportunities. So for renting Gina her, their money, Gina gets to buy a, a larger deal, so scaling her real estate business. Uh, but in return, the investors get a good return on their money and, and get involved in the real estate game as a you know a diversification of their portfolio and use that to sort of grow their long-term wealth. Like, I guess that's what you're trying to say, right, Gina? Yep, that's exactly right. Right, right. So I, I use syndication in, in my real estate business as well and because and I, I got to the point where I couldn't buy more real estate deals with my own money. You sort of go, and so I started pooling investors' capital together and just buying smaller deals. You know, I have not done as many deals as yourself, Gina, but I'm actively focused on finding new investors to partner with me. So in your business, how much time is spent finding investors and how much time is spent finding deals? It's sort of like the chicken and the egg scenario. 
Yeah, I mean, it's kind of tapered off a lot for me most recently. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's like, you know, I usually have a number of investors that have invested with me, you know, over years. And, and then if I have a deal, I kind of like go back to the investors that I already have in my kind of distribution list, so to speak, Mm -hmm. and say, hey, this is the opportunity. But there are times in which maybe unable to fulfill the entire um, investment offering with the investors that I currently have. So I may have to go out and look for new investors. But ironically, it's not that difficult because most people are not earning that much money on their investments today, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're, there's more money than there are deals. That's what I can say. I have a lack of ability to find good deal flow that is able to generate those types of returns that I'm looking for because I'm looking for an infinite rate of return. Right. 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 So okay. anyway, that's, <laughs> that's kind great. Of- but, but I, I would, uh, I know from just my, my brief background in trying to raise some capital, establishing those uh, group or foundation investors in your business is very key. And it's establishing a credibility with those investors that they come back time and time again. So I'm sure that, didn't just happen overnight and you know was it a, long, a hard slog you know I, I just know that from my limited experience is that is that correct oh yeah it's definitely a, a very hard slog I mean and you're you're constantly trying to a lot of people don't understand real estate they may or may not have ever heard of because um, it starts with rich debt poor debt right or mm-hmm. you know you have to have an understanding of investments mm-hmm. um, so you're constantly like talking to people and educating people on how to invest, right? right? Why are you doing this? And why is it important to invest, whether it's in my deal or anyone's deal? Right. I mean, it's important that people have passive income streams outside of whatever their day job is. Right. So as a, as a syndicator, once you have a deal up and running, say it's an existing multifamily that you're, you're repositioning or va- adding value to, to, to force the appreciation or force the value of the property, what is your involvement once that deal is up and running to ensure that your, your investor's capital is preserved and continues to grow? I don't manage my own properties. Mm-hmm. I outsource those to a third-party management company. Yep. And depending on what state and locality it is, it's some, someone different because real estate is a very, very market-centered um, expertise. So there are different property managers throughout each state and country. And I make sure to have monthly meetings with them to make sure that the performance of the property is operating based on the business plan and then communicating with my investors on what those are as they get their distributions. Fantastic. And I want to ask a little bit more. You alluded to this before you have a a deal in Belize. So how does your role differ from a ground-up construction in a foreign country to a local, maybe one, say, in Texas or in another state uh, outside of California? Yeah, that's a really good question. So um, for those of you that may not know, I'm developing a resort in Belize, um, Amberski, which is the number one island in the world. It's opening in January of 2016 with about 200 doors for the first phase. And that Fortunately for me, is a development where I have ownership rights in a number of different lots within the development, me and my investors, and it will be operated as a resort property, Mm -hmm. a hotel basically. So where it's different is that I'm not the developer, I'm not on the ground, I'm not doing any of the construction. 
I'm not putting, you know, nails and hammers or anything like that together. So I just have a general con- a developer that I've hired and a contractor that has been hired and it is uniform. So it is one contractor for the entire development and the development um, kind of company actually selects the hotel operator. So that's very different than what I have in the United States where I am the person that's selecting the property manager. Mm-hmm. which the property manager and the hotel operator kind of are, you know, I'm using them. They're very similar. Right. Just one's a hotel property. Mm-hmm. So the developer in this instance has hired one hotel operator for the entire resort. And they are going to be the company that is responsible for making those distributions back to the investors in which I am one of them. Right. Understood. Okay. So I take it that you would have a very systemized approach when you're setting up your team's, both whether it be out of state or even out of country. So uh, on this show, we constantly talk about, and we just touched on it briefly before, developing a strong team around you. You know, as real estate investing requires, it is a team of people. You can't achieve success without others. So with that being said, do you want to walk us through some specific examples of uh, how you develop a successful team on the ground in each of your target markets, both here in the US and abroad? Yeah, absolutely. Well, here in Los Angeles, it's a lot easier because I'm here Mm -hmm. and I have a lot of roots here. And how I've developed my team is I've known people that because I do value add, I have to have a general contractor. I am a licensed general contractor, by the way, in the state of California. So it's a lot easier for me. Then I have a property manager and I go through and I've interviewed a number of the top property managers that are that dominate in their specific areas within a location in Southern California. Obviously, I have a CPA and a bookkeeper and a CFO and an attorney. And those bookkeepers, CFO and attorneys pretty much stay the same regardless of which country I'm in. Mm -hmm. Um, Fortunately, my my attorney is in Belize now and lives in Belize, but he represents me from, from anywhere in any of my entities. So that's how it works pretty much any in any location within the US one of the differences is is i have another partner who i have developed a relationship that is, is very strong in a specific market outside of california right so those were the other states that i'm in which are arizona oklahoma and texas Fantastic. so that's my partner there and then they p- pretty much take over all of the operations of those assets in those states. Right. And I guess this really does hit what you just said. It hits the nail on the head for a lot of the international listeners listening out there who want to break into the US market. What you're really, really trying to say is that the process for setting up a team on the ground is the same, whether it be in another state or even another country. You have to have a solid team around you. And I love the fact that you find a partner on the ground who is like your boots on the ground, so to speak, to help partner with you on the deals. As a natural progression to that question is, how do you go about vetting these types of partners, these types of CPAs, the bookkeepers, all that, all your sort of team members to ensure that you have a cracking team and not just a mediocre team who doesn't really have your interest at heart? Yeah, and that's a good point because, you know, when I started out, I had a mediocre team and I didn't know that they were mediocre. And I just started kind of, I think the easiest way is to find someone who you aspire to be like and go and talk to them and find out who are their service providers, who is on their team. Literally that will just save you a lot of time. And that's exactly what I did. I mean, I went out and I found out who are 
the team members of the people that I was looking up to be like. And then I went to their resources. I guess then with your Belize deal, you used other people's resources on the, who were on the ground. You said you had your attorney who's based in Belize. Um, was he an introduction via a, a mutual friend or something like that? Yes, absolutely. So I am, you know, obviously have a lot of advisors within my company, you know, that are very dominant in, in the real estate business, you know, the real estate guys radio show and you name it. Um, you know, I have a lot of resources and advisors. So they were basically on the ground already. Mm-hmm. And since my attorney, who I've trusted for some years, was already in Belize and doing business with them, I said, okay, well, let me go out and see what's going on with this particular development. Hence, I saw that they had a lot of strength in that particular market. Actually, they dominated the market and they owned pretty much 90% of the the land that could be developed on the island. And so therefore, I always like to make sure that, you know, there's no one else that can come in and actually build more. And, you know, then you have an oversupply situation, right? Mm -hmm. So that can't be done. And and the the island is very small. I found the team based on my relationships with my attorney and then my relationships with my advisor that is also the developer in in the country of Belize or Amberski. That's, that's fantastic. So I guess, you know, we're going to get into a little bit more, a few more questions, but what, with that being said, what's been the biggest learning experience to date that has shaped your success, both here in the U.S. market, but also uh, abroad overseas? Yeah, I think the biggest learning takeaway I would say is, you know, you can never underestimate how important it is for you to make sure that you do your due diligence on wherever it is that you're investing you just do not believe whatever a broker or someone who's selling, you know, whatever that asset is, you do your own homework, go out there, you put your boots on the ground and you get out there and you do your own research, right? So you, this is your money or probably more importantly, if it's your investor's money right. that you want to make sure that you do all the due diligence. So you know what it is that you're putting your money and your, your investment capital into. No, I think, I think that's, a lot of people, they can buy and invest in things that they've never seen before. And I do not suggest that people do that. Right. I think that's very, very good takeaway advice is that uh, I know when I first moved to the United States, I didn't know different markets. And I went out and I got on a plane and I flew, you know, it was only an hour or two hours flight away, but I, I got on those on the ground out there and I met the people and I sort of touched the dirt and I saw the buildings and I saw how the downtown areas work and all that sort of stuff. And it's very invaluable when coming to deciding on whether to invest in an opportunity or not, because you get a sense of, of the people and of the community and of the market. And I think that really, really helps. So if anyone is considering investing in the U.S., I highly recommend, I'll speak for Gina on this, to getting boots on the ground. If you can visit the U.S. and, and see the market that you want to go and invest in, it will help you know, 10, a hundred times fold the money spent on the plane ticket to get out here will be repaid back because you won't be making any mistakes because you've been on the ground and seen what is out there. So Gina, with that being said, what's been your biggest mistake in your investing career? Not believing in myself earlier in my life. Mm -hmm. So I was always very cautious and um, maybe a little fearful of making that taking that, you know, that first big step, I would take a lot of, a lot of little small steps 
So my biggest learning experience is I probably could have got out, out of the rat race 10 or 15 years sooner mm-hmm. had I taken more initiative to go out there and make it happen. And just to give the investors an idea of the time frame it took yourself, you know, by the time you picked up Rich Dad, Poor Dad, to the, by the time you left your day job, how, what was that sort of time frame? It's a good question. It was actually a little long. Um, the time I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad was probably about 2003 or four, And I did not actually leave my day job um, until probably 2000 and 2007 or eight. Yeah, so four, four or five years later, that's that's typically what I hear from a lot of people. It's it, it takes a long time, listeners. So don't don't be fooled that you think you're going to read a couple of books and all of a sudden you're going to be quitting your day job the next day. It takes a long, long time. So, looking forward, Gina, what are you doing to build on your business and grow as a real estate entrepreneur, both here in the U.S. and abroad? Yeah. So right now, what I'm doing is I'm pivoting a little bit from real estate or taking a little bit of a hiatus because. And many of the markets within the U.S., I just don't believe that they have the type of infinite returns I'm looking for. So I'm looking at different type of business opportunities, but still in the passive income arena, but not related to real estate, um, more so related to education, um, ironically, and helping people get out of the rat race through a digital um, educational product I'm creating. Fantastic. And do you want to talk a little bit more about that product? Yeah, absolutely. So the product is going to kind of be based on the book, but a lot more worksheets and videos where people can get this information and they can get it from their home in any part of the world. They don't need to, you know, be here. A lot of people can't, you know, just reading a book is not sufficient. Many people just need a lot more than what a book can give them. So my goal is to help 1 million people get out of the rat race by the year 2020. Um, Yeah, that's my goal. And that's my why, um, Reed. So remember, I said, before you start on anything, you must know my, your why and your why changes. So when my why, when I started, my why was not to become homeless and to create enough financial security so I could always provide a roof over my head. But now my why is much bigger and it's helping more people across the globe achieve their own goal and dream and to become financially secure. That's incredible. That is actually a million people by 2020. So if any listeners are out there, get on board, you know, take Gina up on the challenge, get her to help you get out of the rat race, because that's certainly a very incredible uh, goal to wanting to be achieving uh, in such a short time frame. So with all that your experience investing both here in the US and overseas, I know you're primed to give us your top five investing tips. You ready to get into it? Yep, Absolutely. What's the most successful habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? I spend time with just doing strategy and not being tactical. I think a lot of people think about the to-do list and they want to get in there and they want to execute on the tactics Mm -hmm. without just taking a step back and being the visionary of what it is that I'm really trying to achieve here. So I think that's one thing. And The other thing is you want to make sure that you are buying a business or building a business that frees up more of your time. You don't want to buy a business that is a job. 
Right. I buy a building that turns into a job. You could have just kept your job to work every day. <laughs> well, it, it probably goes back to a little bit of developing your team. So you can focus on more about fo- working on the business rather than in the business, if that makes sense. Yep, absolutely. So and what's the most influential tool you use in your real estate business and why? I want to say my CRM tool. So it's okay. a customer relationship management tool. And the reason being is it pretty much automates everything for me. So mm-hmm. once I set it up, it's done. I, I really like to be automated. And if I could have all of my business processes automated where I'm not doing a lot of repetitive tasks, that helps me become more efficient. So I would say my CRM too, and there's a number of them out there. C- CRM, did you say? CRM, Customer Relationship Management. Okay. Great. And can you suggest anyone for our listeners? Yeah, I use Infusion, uh, Infusionsoft, although I think there are cheaper, you know, solutions out there. A Weber is one of them. So I would say Infusionsoft, MailChimp, I think is another one. Yep. Any of those tools where you can become you know, much more automated and you're not responding to everything and you're letting the tool do, do its job. Love it. I love, I love that bit of advice. Making sure you set up systems in your business that you can step back a little bit more and help it be more automated. It's really, really good stuff. And what's the most exciting project you're working on right now? My digital business, basically, the educational program. That is the most exciting thing that I have going on right now. Belize is exciting, but it's I've worked on that and it's already ready for opening. Mm-hmm. So I'm moving on to my digital business that I spoke on earlier, and I think it has a lot more value and will help a lot more people. Fantastic. And what? who has been the most influential in your career? I would say it, it has to be probably Kim Kiyosaki. Okay. Robert Kiyosaki's wife, rich, rich woman. Wow, wow, wow. And, and how did she help you? I love that she is a female and she is not just married to Robert as like the trophy wife. I mean, she is very intelligent and she is does her own deals um, just like Robert does his own deals and they do deals together. And I've just learned a lot from how she has been able to help a lot of uh, women achieve their goals. Fantastic. And that sort of brings me into my final question. And that is being a female real estate entrepreneur in what I perceive has been a, ver- a lot of male dominated industry. How is that, you know, has it been a rough road along the way or how have you kept on track to make sure that, you know, you kept towards your achieving your success? Yeah, it is. It's a very male dominated industry. And I just, you know, I, I run out there and I hang with the guys and Mm -hmm. I don't really let the, the sex thing, the male, female thing get in my way. And if I, you know, there's some people or some guys many times, especially when I was younger, they may have not taken me seriously, Mm -hmm. but when I was able to execute and close, then I developed a reputation and they saw, okay, she can do this. Right. And so you have to develop your credibility in that marketplace as a female. You, you may have to work a little bit harder than your male counterparts, Fantastic. but that's in everything else. Right. 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 No, but that's, that's incredible advice for all those female listeners out there. You know, understand that's why I wanted to get you on the show. You know, you're a very successful female entrepreneur here in the United States and abroad. And it's really, truly, truly incredible. The last thing I just wanted to touch a little bit more on the numbers. I love doing numbers. I'm a numbers guy being from an engineering background, but what's been your best deal that you've completed to date? And maybe you could just run through high level stuff, you know, nothing, nothing too detailed, but high level stuff. 
Yeah, I think my best deal were a building in Inglewood, California. For those that don't know Inglewood, it's 15 minutes outside of the Los Angeles International Airport. And it was one of the best deals because I bought an apartment complex and within maybe 24 months or so, I was pretty much able to get all of my money out of that property. And it still continues to produce a significant amount of revenue for me and my investors. And on top of that, it was just announced that they are building a new NFL stadium, which Mm -hmm. for those listeners that are an NFL is the national football league for those of you that are not in the U S they're building a new stadium there. So it's just all good, right? The rents have increased. The property value has increased. So I really like being in a marketplace before everyone else figures it out. And just my last question for you on terms of marketplaces, you know, we don't have to get too far into it, but do you focus more on class A type of marketplace, Los Angeles, California, uh, you know, New York, San Francisco, or do you have a, a wide range of where you focus your investments on? Yeah, so I usually only focus on major metropolitan cities within mm-hmm. the U.S., and I am a B-class apartment owner. So I like to always say there is not a building that I could not actually live in that I own. Fantastic. Great, great. Well, Gina, where can people reach you to continue the conversation? They can reach me at my website. That's www.passiveincomeadvisors.com. Um, And there you can get all of my information and shoot me an email. Fantastic. Well, Gina, you truly are an inspirational person. I do take my hat off to you. I'm so glad I got you on the show to give us just a brief glance at your journey, where you've come from. Uh, It's really, really incredible. Uh, Gina, you've given the listeners some incredible takeaway advice and some pointers on getting started and taking control of escaping the rat race and providing uh, some good takeaway action steps to help create passive income today. So thanks again for dropping by and chatting with us, and we'll catch up soon. Thank you. Well, there you have it, a truly incredible person, a great summary of how to be a successful real estate entrepreneur and how to develop passive income to help you break out of the rat race and lead to long-term wealth. I'm also briefly touched on how we use syndication in your real estate business to help close uh, on larger deals. Although we only briefly touched on syndication, I will be doing another episode where we'll examine all the nuts and bolts of executing your first syndicated deal. So stay tuned. So make sure you check out the show notes for a summary of today's show and conversation with Gina and any links that we mentioned on today's show. A summary of our conversation will go up online at www.rsmpropertygroup.com. Click on the podcast tab. Thanks for taking some time out of your day to tune in and continue to grow your real estate investing knowledge. I hope you got a lot out of today's show. To continue the conversation with us, follow us on Facebook and Twitter by searching RSM Property Group. And remember to leave an iTunes review below as we really do appreciate it as it helps us grow our community of international listeners eager to invest in the US. You can find this episode and many more by searching an Aussie's Guide to US Real Estate wherever you podcast. So until next week, take care, be safe, and remember, happy investing.